This is the Key Life Podcast, where we talk everything automotive keys. We are produced and sponsored by AKG Academy. For more information, go to akgacademy.com. All right, here we are again, continuing on our manufacturer's journey. Our, our, our last podcast was on Toyota. Before that, we, we covered personal Jeep, Ford, GM. So it seems natural for us to kind of stay on that side of the, of the ocean, I guess. And we'll stick with Nissan and Infinity here. So JB, maybe we can jump in, talk a little about what's going on in the uh, Nissan Infinity family. Okay, sure. So Nissan kind of started throwing us a, a pretty severe curveball uh, in the 2022 Sentra. So they instituted a secure gateway module, kind of like what Chrysler Dodge Jeep did. I don't know if it was for the same reason to kind of thwart off hackers that were gaining remote access to the vehicle, or or maybe this secure gateway is just sort of the the quote unquote right thing to do in the manufacturer's eyes. But this secure gateway blocks communications to modules by OBD2 unless you have like a factory tool. So what happened starting in this 2022 Sentra is that because of that secure gateway, all of our aftermarket key programming devices are no longer able to program keys through the diagnostic connector. And so the answer was in the very beginning to use the Nissan factory software, which is the consult software, consult three, consult three plus depends on, you know, what device you're using. And then you would also need to be a member of NASDAQ and you would then utilize your subscription to program the key through the diagnostic connector. So the aftermarket manufacturer's answer to this was a cable that basically connects around the gateway, much like, uh, you know, what we call the brute force or the, the bypass cable for Chrysler Dodge Jeep. So basically there was some disassembly required. You would c connect this special connector and you would then communicate with the immobilizer module without the gateway in line. And then you could program the keys to the vehicle this way isn't it really a huge deal? It's a little bit of an inconvenience. It does require some additional time and some, you know, a little bit of disassembly to the vehicle. But overall, it's not a, a huge problem, but it is a sign of things to come. You know, Nissan started this on the Sentra. Uh, I believe it's also in the Rogue now too. And that leads me to believe that we're going to see it more and more and more. So I'm interested to see what the manufacturers do to, to deal with this, if they're able to find some way around the gateway, which, you know, if the gateway that Nissan utilizes is similar to Chrysler Dodge Jeep, you know, we still have very few options to go through the gateway to get key programming done. It's just become normal that we connect to the star connector or, or you know, one of the can high or can low lines somewhere else in, on the bus and communicate around the gateway. So curious to see what the aftermarket manufacturers will come up with. You know, we may never have a good solution and we may be using this, this bypass cable to, to get around the gateway for years to come. It's hard to say. Yeah, JB. And, and what years, I know you, you, you listed off a couple of models there. What years does this apply to? Starting in year model 2022 for Centrum and I believe in 2022 as well, I think for the Rogue, those are the ones that I have run into and have the most experience with. That's great. And then where are you getting the... I've been buying it from, bought, bought the ones I have from Key Innovations, from us, from AKG, I'm available at, at whatever supplier you choose, but we do have them. The nice thing about these cables is they're more or less universal, kind of like the Chrysler Dodge Jeep bypass cables. If you have one made by, say, 
OBD star, it works for your smart pro or vice versa. There's not anything inherently special about these bypass cables, kind of like the Chrysler Dodge Jeep ones. Yeah, that's good to know. And then in terms of the actual process to, to program one of these vehicles, can you walk us through a generic step-by-step? Yeah. So, I mean, you just have to identify the module location and the vehicle that you are working on. You're going to, you know, typically disassemble uh, a couple of panels, you know, maybe four to six bolts. You're going to be able to get to the module that you need to work with. It's just a matter of reaching in and disconnecting the factory cable, connecting in this cable that you have, the quote-unquote bypass cable, and then hooking up your programmer. And once you've done that, then you program this vehicle the same way that you'd program any other push-to-start Nissan. It's uh, very similar to that process. You know, you're presenting the keys to the push-to-start button in the right orders and following the instructions on the programmer, really just locating the module and, and disassembling some of the paneling to get to it. Really, the only difference is... is That's great. Thanks, James. And, and, and do I remember you telling me at one point that this system also applies to the Mitsubishi Outlander? Yeah, interestingly enough, it does. It's something that was very not very well known in the beginning that Mitsubishi Outlander 2022 and up shares the same architecture as the Sentra and Rogue. So even though the keys look quite a bit different, the actual architecture and the cable that's used to get around the gateway is the same. So actually learned this in talking with some friends of mine that are out of the country that also use advanced diagnostic equipment. And the cable was actually released to them first as a Mitsubishi solution rather than as a, a Nissan solution. And in talking to them, they were telling me about this cable that they use for these Mitsubishi Outlanders. And, and at the time I was saying, oh, I hadn't run into one, you know, I appreciate the, the sharing of information back and forth. And, and then before too long, I saw this cable come out and it was being advertised in our country for Nissan. And then collaborating back and forth with them, they said, oh, no, this is, this is the same one. We just got Mitsubishi software before we got Nissan software. So it's pretty interesting, but the, the cable does cross over. Well, yeah, no, that is uh, very interesting. So I would say that's some of the newer vehicles in the Nissan realm, and I guess Mitsubishi as well in this case. What about some of the older model years? Anything to note there from a programming perspective? You know, not really. There isn't a whole lot there. I will tell you one thing that, that I've ran into during technical support, and I've ran into it myself as well, is that the older Nissan vehicles, the bladed key vehicles, they're a little bit funny in regards to when you are programming keys. Let's say you go into program keys to whatever it is, an Altima or, or whatever it might be, a bladed key. And you go into key programming and everything appears to program correctly. Everything looks good. The vehicle starting with the original key, the vehicle starting with the secondary key. Everything's good. You pat yourself on the back, you collect your money, customer drives away. Well, these systems, these bladed key systems, will allow a certain number of starts before they actually indicate a failure. So what happens is maybe you get a key with a bad transponder, or maybe you chose the wrong key, and it looks like the key has been programmed to the system, but it's really not. And so I've heard a lot of numbers. For, for me, my experience tells me that the vehicle will start six times with an unprogrammed key before you can actually see the car react and go, oh, that's actually a bad key. So for me, I always start these vehicles at least seven times after I've programmed keys. S sounds like a lot of extra work, but uh, I'll tell you, uh, 
that this happened to me years ago where I was programming a key. It was actually all keys lost on this particular situation. Generated a key, cut it, programmed it. Everything is fine. Again, pat myself on the back, collect my money. Customer drives away. And the customer was actually about a almost two-hour drive away. And uh, a day or two later, they call and say, hey, that key that you made me stop working. And uh, so typically in my, my application, if you know you have come to me and you have a warranty claim, you have to come back to me for you know me to address whatever that may or may not be. Now, uh, in the case that I come to you, I feel like that the onus is on me to return to you if the vehicle stops running for whatever reason and you believe it's a warranty claim. Now, we find out it isn't, you know, then you're going to have to pay me for my service, call my labor. However, I drove, you know, a long distance away to this vehicle and sure enough, the car won't start. And I had a key with a bad transponder in it. And when I programmed the right transponder to it, I started it a bunch of times. Everything was fine. And I happened to mention this to a friend of mine and that I'd had this happen to me. And he said to me what, you know, what I've said to others, oh, you don't know about that? You know, when you learn something, it kind of becomes second nature and you think everyone knows. But the, the, the truth is, at the time, I had no idea that these vehicles would start multiple times with an incorrectly programmed key or an incorrect key, I should say. So that's something to watch out for. I don't know how many of those vehicles, you know, other people still see, but in my market, I still see a ton of those bladed key vehicles. Well, that's certainly isn't a four-hour round-trip mistake you make again. So that's how you learn, I guess, right? 100%. Uh, or a podcast like this, and then, <laughs> then you learn it without having to do the four-hour round-trip. As long as you can remember what you've heard, everything is good. Isn't that the truth? You know, JB, as we're, as we're talking through some of these painful learnings, as I'll call them, you know, it's funny because you, you mentioned your, your friend, you were talking to your friend about this, and he says, well, you didn't know that, you know? So it, it, it's, it is funny, though, that in this field, in this, in the world that we live in here, there's just so much nuance, right? There's like so many little things that, that it's almost impossible to know all of them. So wh where do you go? Where, where, where does the great JB Gates go to, to kind of bounce ideas or when you run into challenges or you, who are you chatting with? Well, you know, it's funny that you say this, that the great JB Gates. So when I talk to guys in the industry all the time, you know, they seem to have this idea that. You know, a guy like myself that has some experience or other guys that have experience and, and don't hear me wrong, there's plenty of guys who know more than me. You know, I don't think I'm the only guy who knows things. But what I'm saying is the guys who come to us for, you know, help or, or for questions, they seem to think that we have no trouble in our day-to-day -day business and, and that we never, you know, ride what we affectionately call the struggle bus. And nothing could be further from the truth. Like, the only reason why we know what we know is because we have ridden the struggle bus so many times that we're just tired of riding it. So, you know, we learn how to, to get off the bus. But I'll tell you, you know, networking with other locksmiths is paramount, you know, and it doesn't really matter if they are all automotive locksmiths or, or, or who they are. You know, I, I get help a lot of times from people who are not in the automotive locksmithing industry. Uh, you know, from my background is, comes from electronics. So I struggle with the mechanics of locksmithing. The, you know, the how and why of the electronic component really doesn't bother me at all. Where I have trouble is, is mechanics with the physical locksmithing. However, like to answer your question better, you know, I've got a group of guys who, who I converse with. Most of them are, are guys that, that currently work for us and do technical support. And, you know, guys like Donnie Sherfield, Jason Frank. There are several other guys that I talk to on a regular basis. I have a, a couple of friends that are actually mechanics, but they have 
branched into automotive locksmithing movie over the last 10 years. I have a really good friend in Chicago that I talk to quite a lot. And, you know, his insight in electrical troubleshooting helps me. So, you know, it really doesn't matter if you have a network of people who you can talk with. You know, there are a lot of good groups on Facebook as well. There are, there's a couple of forums out there. There is one called uh, ClearStar Locksmith Network. There's also one called KeyPro, which is uh, a one that is a uh, very well regulated, just like ClearStar. They vet the members very well. And, you know, to get access to those, you, you have to, you know, pay membership and you have to be, you know, a, a certain, I don't know what I want to say, caliber of individual before you're even accepted. So they are very selective, but there are lot, lots of different groups out there, Facebook, and, and just network with your guys locally. You know, I'll tell you, for me personally, <clears throat> I don't consider the locksmith across the street my competition just because he does the same trade as I do. You know, I consider him another guy engaged in the same business that I'm engaged in. And, you know, almost every market has room for more than one guy. Yeah, you'd like to be, have the market cornered where, you know, things are maybe easier, but having this other guy across the street that you can network with does help. And so I would just encourage everyone who's listening to, you know, become friendly with all the other guys in their area, all the other locksmiths in their area, and then also have a network of people in different parts of the country, because that's helped me a lot. You know, in your market, you see what you see, but in other markets, typically the makeup of vehicles is vastly different. You know, I have a friend by the name of Brian Suggs, and he has a, an auction in Alabama that he works, and he sees a lot of newer vehicles. So a lot of times I'll talk with him about newer things because I don't see the newer things in my market. So I think it's important when you're, when you're looking at your network of friends, your, your phone of friend network, if you will, to make sure that they have diverse experience and that they're in different markets and in the same market as you. So you can learn something from a guy across the street, but you can also learn something from the guy five states over as well. That's great. And it, and it kind of reminds me of the old adage, right? A rising tide brings up all ships, right? So this knowledge, this information is, is, is valuable for, for everybody. And it's good for the entire industry and community. And yeah, we've talked about this in the past, that there, there's, this, there's this awareness opportunity for, for our industry to drive more key events on manual basis and, and really grow the pie, if you will, across the country and across the world, because so many customers just don't know that a duplicate key is an option or, you know, who, who to call, how to, how to go about doing it. So I, I think that's great. And, and education is at the cornerstone of that. So, so thinking a little bit more about Nissan Infinity, any other tips and tricks? We've already kind of heard your horror story about a four hour round trip. <laughs> so I don't know if I need to ask you that question again. But okay. I think I think we talked about the most painful one for me. Now, I will tell you, you know, it's interesting that you say that made me jog my memory here. So there's also this problem out there with the push to start rogues where they have some BCM issues where the BCM becomes after key programming. There's nothing that you can do to stop this or prevent this. It happens even with the factory tool. And even though my four-hour round trip sounded bad, I had a Nissan Rogue that was even worse. So I have seen some folks post online. I don't know the truth of it for sure, but there seems to be some consensus that you might be able to determine these BCMs by part number or origin, whether they're going to give you a problem or not. I don't know the truth of that. I've never been able to sit down and actually verify that data. But the truth is, you know, on a, on a Nissan Rogue, there are certain Nissan Rogues that are push-button vehicles where 
You can take a working vehicle. You can attempt to program keys and the BCM becomes unresponsive. And I ran into one of these before very much was known about this. And I didn't even know that it was a thing, to be honest with you. And I'll try to make a super long, painful story as short as I can. But the customer drove 45 minutes to my location to have a duplicate key made to add insult to injury. It was his own supplied key. Uh, we gave him the price. We explained to him the terms that, you know, when a customer supplies their own parts, we only accept cash. I walk out. I go to program the vehicle. I walk through the programming. I present the original key to the push to start button for programming and I get the dreaded dee -dee 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 -dee. and uh, after a couple of hours of try this, try that, hard resets, diagnostics, this, that, the other thing, I can't fix it. So I take the customer, put him in a rental car, send him away and uh, I tow his car over to the dealership. I explained to the dealer what happened and the dealer automatically said, oh, that you know, you damaged the BCM in the car because you did improper key programming. So I said to them, well, what, what's improper key programming? And of course they couldn't answer. So <clears throat> long story short, Nissan actually put three BCMs in it themselves before they actually got one to take and to program keys into it. So they'd put the BCM in, they would flash it, they would go into key programming and the BCM became unresponsive. They got what they called their Nissan engineering department involved that they were remoted into the car on the second BCM, same problem, finally the third BCM. And so at this time, before anything was really known, you know, I told the customer, hey, if, if I cause this, I'll take care of the repair. Well, the dealer ended up writing on the repair ticket that uh, the locksmith caused this by improper key programming, which we now know was not correct. But I paid the, the dealership around $1,800 for the luxury of this repair, plus the, you know, two... Uh, a little bit more than two weeks worth of rental fees that the customer was in a rental car. And then the customer went to go pick up their car at the Nissan dealer and the Nissan dealer tried to prevent, present them with a bill for $900 saying that the $1,800 that I paid was only my portion and that he had a $900 portion to pay. The customer refused to pay, took his keys off the counter and drove away, which he should have. And to add insult to injury of, of this whole story, <clears throat> this car was, by the time it got to the dealership, 16 miles out of warranty. So they really could have done me a solid if they wanted to, but they did not want to. <laughs> well, I didn't think you could top your first story, but you <laughs> did. Maybe amazingly interesting as always. Appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. My pleasure. If you like what you heard on our podcast today, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can get more information at akgacademy.com. We really appreciate your partnership and look forward to chatting with you again.